This is the State of Inclusion podcast, where we explore topics at the intersection of equity, inclusion, and community. In each episode, we meet people who are changing their communities for the better, and we discover actions that each of us can take to improve our own communities. I'm Amy Sanders. Welcome. The months of December and early January have been pretty quiet for us here at the State of Inclusion. Like many of you, we've been spending time with family and friends, celebrating, refueling our personal energy, and making plans for 2024. And also, like many of you, I was sidelined for a couple of weeks by one of the many viruses going around. So this episode is going to be pretty short, and I'll publish the transcript as a newsletter as well. Recently, I was talking with a DEI colleague I hadn't seen in a while. I asked him how his work was going. He told me that for a period of time after George Floyd's murder, his work had been booming. He didn't have enough hours in the day to meet all of the calls and demands. But recently, he felt a tide was shifting. As we stood there, we talked about how it feels that our work to build more inclusive and equitable communities has grown even more challenging in 2023, and maybe even under assault. It feels as if those who espouse anti-democratic ideals have been emboldened to speak up and speak out, even to act directly against their neighbors and our institutions. We've seen rising anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, as well as rising anti-Asian sentiment. We've seen a shocking amount of anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, actions, and even legislation. Affirmative action is under attack as processes and approaches that colleges and universities have relied on to build a more diverse student base have been ruled as no longer legal. There are growing efforts to silence diverse and historically marginalized voices and authors through more and more book bans at schools and public libraries. The powerful moment of collective reckoning on race that was sparked by the horrific murder of George Floyd sometimes feels to be receding from focus. And actions that were born from the passionate aftermath of that event haven't all been sustained. And there are even efforts to restrict the truths of history that our schools are allowed to teach. You know, my colleague and I moved through this list of challenges and difficulties pretty quickly. Honestly, sharing with you today, a few weeks after this conversation, there are even more things we could add to the list. And this isn't a very complete list of the challenges we all face as we work toward building more inclusive and equitable companies and communities. As I take a minute to reflect on the State of Inclusion podcast for 2023 and look ahead to 2024, I'd like to share with you my response to him after we commiserated over this daunting list of challenges. What I said was something like this. Despite all of these challenges, I believe that there is a powerful and unstoppable wave of change happening across our country. The work of building more inclusive and equitable communities is spreading and growing momentum every day. It is visible in nearly every corner of our country. While not all actions that were sparked in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder have continued, there is no doubt that his murder, as tragic as it was, created a moment of reckoning that occurred all across our country at all levels 
and it has brought about a sea change of awareness. There are an amazing number of smart, hardworking, and committed people who work every day to make their community more inclusive and equitable. They're not waiting for a national solution. They're not waiting for anything. These individuals, fueled by a deep love of their community, are joining with friends and neighbors to make a real difference at home, where they live and where they raise their families. These equity warriors are coming from all corners of their communities. They are individuals and organizations that represent local government, business, philanthropy, community organizers and activists, neighborhood groups, nonprofits, the faith community, the arts, and community institutions like public libraries, museums, and even our park systems. At the same time, there are a growing number of an increasingly mature set of national organizations in place to help provide insights, research, data, methods, and even grants and funding to local communities to help build momentum and change toward equity and inclusion. I believe that there is an awakening that is so broad and so deep that it will not be silenced or stopped. It will meet resistance, sure. This work always has. There will be backlash. There will even be setbacks. Still, I believe the wave of change continues and grows stronger. In many areas, you can see that it is already yielding systemic, sustained, and measurable results. Why do I believe this? It's because of the research I do and the conversations I'm privileged to have every day as I meet and talk with people who are doing this work all across the country. Every day, these conversations help ground me, encourage me, and serve as a powerful antidote to the challenging and sometimes negative messages that surround us. I've been hosting this podcast since 2018. For every person I talk with, there are even more that I discover and admire and learn from through my research and interactions. Emma, my colleague, and I are working on our guest list for 2024. And I can happily report that I am, thankfully, nowhere near running out of people to talk with, communities to recognize, and stories of transformation to share. Just this past year in 2023, I talked with equity warriors representing Tulsa, Oklahoma, Charleston, South Carolina, multiple communities across Illinois, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Dallas and Fort Worth, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and more communities in Western North Carolina. I also talked with Monroe Nichols, whose organization, Strive Together, supports a nationwide network of coalitions that are focused on education, who see inclusion and equity as key underpinnings of their work. We also talked with Victoria Chance and Mary Ann Inglis of My Neighbor's Voice, who are providing tools and methods to help small and large groups of neighbors develop and practice respectful listening skills across differences. I talked with Kim Rogers from the Center for Community Resilience at George Washington University. Kim and her team work with multiple communities across the country, but in our conversation, she shared about some of the incredibly powerful work that has been happening in Cincinnati, Ohio. Still, this work of equity and inclusion in our own community may feel isolating, lonely, 
and under assault. On even a good day, it can feel like there is a lot going on, and sometimes that work can feel disconnected and uncoordinated. But you and I more than anybody know that there is power in diversity of thought and action. We know that progress on this journey toward equity and inclusion will come through planned and coordinated actions, but it will also come through unpredictable emergence. We know there is power in numbers, in large actions, but also in small, even micro actions. There is progress in both systemic change and in personal change. Most importantly, lasting progress comes through interpersonal change, through being in community with and building relationships with one another. As we close out 2023, I'd first like to thank my guests. Without their willingness to generously share their stories, we couldn't have this podcast. I'm always amazed and grateful for the gift of their time, insights, and wisdom as I'm humbled and encouraged by their commitment to their own community. Likewise, we wouldn't exist without you, our listeners and readers. Thank you for listening here at the State of Inclusion podcast and for subscribing to our newsletter, The Inclusive Community. Also, thank you for the work you are doing and will do in your own community. If there are ways that we can make this podcast or newsletter more helpful to you, or if there are people you think I should speak with, please reach out. I'll be sure to put my email in the show notes. I'd also like to thank my podcast team, Emma, Kayla, and Euros, for their ongoing talent and support to create and share this podcast. And I'd like to thank my small but mighty podcast critique group, from whom I regularly draw inspiration, wisdom, and encouragement. So in closing, despite a relatively quiet December and January, I'm here today, and I'll be here tomorrow, sharing more stories of community equity and inclusion, celebrating the equity warriors amongst us, and surfacing more inspirations and learnings to support us in the challenging days ahead as we work to build a more inclusive world, one community at a time. So I'll close out this episode with some snippets of wisdom and inspiration from my guests this past year. And I'll see you again in February. Enjoy. My colleague Emma Winitsky suggested these first three areas as highlights from 2023, and the comments about them are hers. Nick Cotter from the Pittsburgh Neighborhood Project reminded us all to get out into your community. Emma shared, I love the idea that no matter how big or small, our communities are complex, and there's a lot of value in proactively seeking to learn more about the places and from the people who live in our community. Let's listen to Nick Cotter of the Pittsburgh Neighborhood Project. And so when I have to tie this whole long answer together into understanding why our neighborhoods look the way they do, the kind of impacts they have and why, it ties back to the mission here, which is what is the purpose of the Pittsburgh Neighborhood Project is to help people understand that history and understand it not just through data that like can be overwhelming to people are just totally non-personal to them, but through stories and using data as a addition to those stories to help them understand the facts but tie it to these personal lenses and say these neighborhood tours that I do and that help people literally see the history that I just described and maybe help them understand that we need to address these problems. 
And to the point earlier, it helps them understand the context around the problems. And if you understand the context, then hopefully you can develop effective prescriptions. Emma also highlighted the In Communion newsletter. We'll put a link to that newsletter in the show notes. She said, despite my love for data, I know that it is stories and experiences that really change us. Examples from the Community Building Initiative in Charlotte, Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation Dallas, and My Neighbor's Voice all talk about different aspects of communion. And I think it's important for folks to remember that connection is often a necessary first step before change. Let's listen to Mary Ann Inglis of My Neighbor's Voice. Like Victoria, I just feel like listening is such an act of grace and love. And that's where, you know, we are, we aren't doing very well on loving each other these days. And if we can show kindness through, through listening and really intentionally listening, I think that will bridge a lot of the divides that we now have in our culture and country and world. And then Emma reminded us all that after connection, we still have to do the intense work of operationalizing DEI. The podcast episode with Dr. Kathleen Yang Clayton talked about how we have to be intentional about equity in every single part of every single process. It's not flashy to examine a city's procurement process or fight to use inclusive language in city policies, but these things do matter and they persist across time. Realizing that equity is important and helping others join in supporting that effort is important. But then we want to build processes and policies that will carry that vision out for years. So let's hear from Dr. Kathleen Yang Clayton from the University of Illinois, Chicago. We can't get to the democracy we really deserve absent government. I'm happy to go into a debate about this with whomever would think otherwise, but that's not how this works. But it also means that the flawed institutions we have in policing and education and housing, even in representative government, then needs to be transformed, not reformed, but transformed. With this work of inclusion and equity, we are also each on our own personal journey. Some of us admittedly have farther travel than others. Emma and I did an episode titled Inclusion Starts Here, where we talked about self-work and the journey we're all on. One of my favorite moments of the year came from hearing one of my guests talk about a moment of personal growth she experienced on her own journey toward equity and inclusion. Rose Lane from Conserving Carolina reflected on a day that we all probably remember when white supremacists marched in her hometown of Charlottesville, Virginia. The sound quality for this clip isn't the best, so listen closely. Like, not only did they drive into the car with a crowd, but they came with guns. They came with assault rifles and is legal. And, like, the law allowed them to march into my community with loaded machine guns. And it was a clear threat of death to anyone who stood So... You know, it was a very traumatic experience and very, you know, it was just, it brought some things home to me, right? So it, I think in, before that time, I think I had been naive about where we are in this country and um, I had been innocent about how 
deep rooted with history and racist violence to use, and their willingness to use the violence to reinforce the structures of racism. Um, so I think I had been embarrassed, and I had to start seeing our country in a different way, and I you know, need to commit to the work in a different way so so I can recognize that we do have, you know, that, that racism it is like really kind of very deeply a part of who we are as a country, unfortunately. And also to recognize that there's more than that that it means to be an American. Like there's also a strong tradition in this country of creating equality and fighting uh, for equality and making a society that that does allow everyone to be a, a full free citizen. So like both those things are part of who we are as a country. Speaking of personal journeys, one of the highlights for me in 2023 was the State of Inclusion 10-Week Outdoor Challenge. It was at once a challenge to you guys, my listeners and readers, but also a personal challenge and part of my journey. I learned so much from my reading, research, discussion, and connections. I will admit, I was a little tired at the end of the 10 weeks, but staying at it brought its own kind of learning and reflection. So here's a clip from one of my week's reflections. During my challenge, I experienced several moments of synchronicity where time seemed to fold back on itself. Too many to mention them all here, but it reminded me again of the deep connections we all share and the invisible threads that bind us together. I was also reminded that all around us are special people of good intent who are working to build a more inclusive and equitable world. We can use mindfulness to help open ourselves to see them, to connect with them, and to step into this river of change together. I could go on and on about my favorite snippets or learnings from this past year. There are what my colleague Rodney calls pearls of wisdom scattered all through the year's episodes. However, I'll close with one of those pearls of wisdom from Jerry Harris of Charleston's Human Affairs and Racial Conciliation Commission. That interview yielded one of my absolute favorite quotes of the year. So Frederick Douglass said, there'll be no progress without struggle. And what we're involved and engaged in, we're at a point, things are going to change. How they change can be determined by what we choose to do and not do. For me, it's not acceptable to sit on the sidelines and not try to use the knowledge and experience I have. I mean, I've run county governments, I've run state departments, I've run municipal governments. It would be irresponsible for me not to try to work with and be of service and advice to my council. So I would urge people, right, to look for, you know, fit in where you can get it in, in this work, because if we don't, we will get, in this case, the government that we deserve. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and reading our newsletter. You know, we have a lot of work ahead of us. So in Jerry's words, we cannot afford to sit on the sidelines. And we all need to find a way to get in where we can fit in. I hope that this coming year brings you and your community closer to a state of inclusion. This has been the State of Inclusion podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, the best compliment for our work is your willingness to share the podcast or discuss these ideas with others. 
If you'd like to hear more about the practice of building an inclusive and equitable community, head over to theinclusivecommunity.com and sign up for our newsletter. Also, feel free to leave us a review or reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening and join us again next time. Mm -hmm.